0: World's Finest Podcast, episode 58.
1: I'm your host, James Doe, and if you're listening to this on Wednesday, then I'm about uh, 35,000 feet above sea level right now, <laughs> traveling to Alaska, so I'll hand the uh, mic over to, hey, my co-host, Mike.
0: <laughs> Hello. Uh- Let's see, did we talk about episode 325? Yeah, we did. Oh, just in case anybody missed it, uh, go to earth2.net, earth-number2.net. And, uh, while you're there, <laughs> I'm not gonna say on the left-hand side of the page, you'll see a link that says forums during the forums. Please. I was gonna say, I wasn't gonna say that, but there you go, I did. But anyways, what I was gonna say is make sure you check out earth2.net, the show episode 325. Uh, of course, that's the episode where James, Ian, and myself sat down to talk about Batman forever. Was it forever? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it went up, uh, this past Saturday, so by the time this airs, like 10 days back, it may not be on the front page anymore. You might have to go into the Earth.net archives, but, uh, make sure you go and check that out. It's about, uh, maybe like two hours and... 30 minutes 2 hours 45 minutes something like that but it's a real good show it really is it it was such a blast to record and you know it's you know the longer shows i always dread editing them but i had a ball editing that show it was awesome just listening back to that whole thing so yeah make sure you guys do that
1: yeah. Oh, I just, I can't wait till we get to uh, the next film.
0: And I use, the, I use the word film very loosely there. Yeah, I really am looking forward to that because I haven't seen that, that movie in like forever. And the best part is, is uh, I believe, I have to double check, but I believe I can use the watch it now feature on Netflix. So I don't actually have to waste one of my selections and have the disc sent to me. You know, I can just sit there and watch it right on my screen at my leisure. You know, and, yeah, yeah, so that'll be good, that'll be good. Yeah, I don't know when we're going to get to that, hopefully soon, I'm hoping before the summer actually ends, because once, you know, the summer's over, you know, James is back in school, Um, I don't know what Ian's doing, you know what I'm saying, oh, I know yeah. things will pick up for me, so, yeah, yeah, we pretty much have to get it done before the summer's over, or we won't get it done until, like, Christmas time. <laughs> Which is funny, because I wanted the whole series done by Christmas 08. I don't I don't know if I ever actually said that on the air. I might have said it to you and you uh, Ian, though. But I wanted to time it so that our review of The Dark Knight came out right around the same time the DVD was being released. <laughs> 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 Whoopsie! <laughs> but okay, uh unless there's anything else, let's just get into some emails. Alrighty.
1: First one's from Tim who writes greetings Mike and James I just finished listening to episode 325 of Earth 2.net show and go. all I all I can say is kudos like Ian this was the first Batman movie I ever saw and even when I was a kid I knew how bad it was I personally agree with James on the grading scale and his opinion of I fucking hate this movie that was said roughly 19 minutes and 52 seconds into the <laughs> show if that's if that's how bad James thinks this is I can't wait to hear his hatred that burns with a thousand hells for Batman and Robin <laughs> Right on, my friend. Right on. Mike, your grade, that was unexpected, as well as the anatomy references, but I'll let him pass because of the worst slip in the history of any Earth2.net <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know what?
1: I'm not even going to say it. He says it in the email here, but I'm not going to say it. Listen to the episode. You'll know what it is. When
0: you... <laughs> it was an accident, I swear. Hey,
1: so was, uh, you know, Barbara cares deeply for Dick.
0: <laughs> so
1: there. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. uh, now James and Ian should just be careful never to say anything is embarrassing. And- well, hang on. Let me, let
0: me jump in here. I was thinking about this the other day. Once we get past, hell, it might be over. I, I mean, besides us doing Batman and Robin, I don't know if there's going to be any more accidental snicker snicker. He, he said dick jokes. I mean, Nightwing only makes one more very brief cameo. So there'd be no reason to bring up Dick Grayson. On, on WFP and I'm kinda sad about that. I mean I like making those immature jokes. I'm sure all our listeners named Richard have long fled the show, but
1: Well know, there's there is Teen Titans.
0: Oh you just made my day, sir.
1: <laughs> anyway, um Pertaining to WFP, though, I, I am surprised to hear that you like static. I may or may not have somehow obtained the DCAU crossovers. I also saw a few episodes here and there during the original run, and, well, it was a bit of a letdown. The episode that really turned me off was an episode called Hoop Squad, in which the story is basically static teaming up with basketball stars Carl Malone, Steve Nash, Tracy McGrady, and Yao Ming, who are superheroes working for the government after their arch-nemesis kidnaps Gear, uh, i.e., Richie. Um, Even worse than those uh, those episodes was when Static teams up with Lil' Romeo, Shaq, and the Backstreet Boys. God, this show is dated. Uh, Maybe it's better than I remember, though, and I'll try watching some episodes on Disney XD. P.S. Good man, James Doe. I'm also a big Avatar fan, and excluding the DCAU as a whole, it is my favorite cartoon, so much so that my friends call me an Avatard. However, being that you are one of Earth 2's anime gurus, I have a question for you. Is Avatar an anime? My friend and I have long had a debate over this, and I say it isn't. Uh, it is an American TV show with anime influences, and, w- the, and Wiki says, the debate over Avatar being considered an anime is a controversial one. One of your commented that Avatar blurs the line between anime and U.S. domestic cartoons until it becomes irrelevant. And Avatar features many features typical of anime, such as color palette, distinctive for most American cartoons. It's not an anime, but, like Wiki says, it It has so many anime influences that I wouldn't really bat an eye if I was in Best Buy and I saw the Avatar season sets over in the anime section.
0: That new kid. Don't let anyone in these days. I've been waiting for you. (gasps) And I don't like waiting. Sorry, Mr. Alva. We were working on... I gave you one simple assignment. Bring me static. And you flunked. Only by the narrowest of margins, sir, we're using the class to perfect a tracking device that will prevent him from eluding us again. Let us hope so. Your extracurricular activities are costing me almost as much as this entire school. It's pass-fail time, gentlemen. It would be easier if we didn't have to catch him alive. That's an inconvenience you'll have to live with. I want my bio-research team to study static's DNA, and a live specimen is preferable to a dead one. After we have that, it will be of no further use.
1: First up today is the new kid. Uh, Virgil has been accepted to an extremely prestigious science school, and while he's there, he meets a pleasant young lady named Daisy. Unfortunately, his teachers are a couple of upperclassmen douchebags who tricked him and locked him out of the building earlier. Uh, one is named Mr. Specs, and the other is Mr. Trapper. Later that night, uh, Static's fighting this robot out on the street that seems to be randomly just blasting shit up. Uh, but it turns out in the end that it's a uh, robotic battle armor suit worn by one of the upperclassmen dickheads. Uh, so the guy manages to elude Static and, uh, vows to get him next, uh, next time gadget. <laughs> next
0: time!
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, the next... Uh, next day, they, the two of them force Static's class to, uh, uh, his class is only four students, so they, he forces them to build them uh, this I that will register any electromagnetic energy source and allow it to be tracked. Uh, so they, of course, need this to capture Static. Well, after the two guys leave the room, they go back to their office, and it turns out that Edwin Alva is the one who wants them to uh, capture Static for bio-research. Uh, Daisy also informs Virgil later on that, uh, you know, after they finish building the electromagnetic tracker, that Alva is the head of the Institute and he funds everything. Uh, so Virgil and Daisy sneak into the two upperclassmen's laboratory and they find that they've uploaded Virgil's program that he made for this, uh, the electromagnetic eye into this utter monstrosity called the Alva machine. Creative. Um, Anyway, it starts chasing Daisy all over the place until Virgil, in his static gear, uh, rescues her and gets her to a safe place. And Static starts flying all over the city with this giant thing following his energy signature the whole way. Uh, Daisy, meanwhile, is getting uh, their classmates uh, and heads back towards the Institute to try and stop the two upperclassmen. And Static finally figures out that the giant robot is uh, tracing his energy, so he decides to fly straight into Alva's house where the robot just tears everything up. And Daisy and these two uh, classmates disable the power at the Institute, and the robot crashes into Alva's pool, utterly destroying it. So Static drops Alva into the pool after it, and a good laugh was had by none. <laughs> and the next day, Daisy transfers to Dakota High School, much to Virgil's delight. This episode sucked so badly. Um, Really... I, I just had that really long summary there, but I can sum it up by this. Terrible, bland, cliched villains led by an even le- even more laughably <laughs> cliched villain. Do you agree or disagree? I disagree. Is it because of Daisy? Because that was one of the few things I actually liked about this episode. I think the character has a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, I mean, in... Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, there's, an episode, there's another episode where she kind of plays a bigger role. I think it might be Winds of Change? What's the one where... Uh, what's the what's the one where Richie and static start getting on each other's nerves yeah when's it change? yeah, like in that one eh, I' don't know she was kind of getting under my skin but yeah I, I like her here I, I think she's a nice addition to the cast and I'm really hoping like she finds out that they bring her in on the secret I don't know I don't know if that's going to happen and I want to be surprised um but okay here here's here's what I was really kind of liking about this episode here. You know, I like the idea of Elva running the school. I mean, it's a little cliched for the big bad villain to be running the corporation or, in this case, the school or whatever. But, I mean, here's a guy that has this mat on for static. And so it makes sense for him to be funding a school where he brings all these geniuses together and then he could use said geniuses to create tech that he can then either use against Static or sell, you know, patent and sell and all this and that. It's very smarmy. It's kind of a cool idea, and I like it. Um, What I also dug about this show is that they're showing Static using his brain. And I don't mean that as in Virgil Smart and let's send him to a smart kid's school. It's the way Static beat the cronies and Elva. You know, he didn't do it by throwing punches or static electricity or whatever the hell his power is at the robot. Sure, he tried, but it didn't work. I mean, he used his brain, and he's like, motherfucker, this thing's tracking me because I made the goddamn tracking device that they put in this thing. And since I can't blow this up because it's, what did he say, it was coated in ceramic or something, so so it's insulated. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to Alva's, and it's going to follow me there. And it's going to destroy his house. <laughs> and that forces the, the two douchebags who are controlling it to, you know, shut down. And, you know, I think there's a neat little standoff where Static basically has Elvin in front of him as a human shield. And he's like, you want to shoot me? Is your aim that good? Come on. And they're, they're going to take the shot. You know, and I think it was, uh, uh, I just lost her name, Daisy. Daisy? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Who Who pulled the power on it remotely from, you know, the school. You know, and it was like, ooh, were they going to shoot or weren't they? Uh-huh, you know. But regardless of, whatever, regardless of what the answer to that is, I don't know. I was, just, I was just digging seeing Static use his head. You know, yeah, it's cool in an action cartoon to see Batman throw some Batarangs. Wait for it. And then they blow up. And see Superman spin around and, and beat people up and shoot laser beams out of his eyes. That's all neat. But seeing a hero, especially a young hero, Use his brain over his fists or his powers? I think that's good. That's a real good thing for kids to see.
1: I gotta tell you though, the animation here was just awful. Okay. It was it was terrible. And the best example I think, or you know, worse depending on how you see things, um, was when Static and Daisy are flying on Static's little Mylar hoverboard thing. Static's body is facing the direction in which they're flying. He turns his head around like the goddamn exorcist one hundred and eighty degrees backwards. His head is facing backwards while his body is completely facing the other way.
0: Shit, I missed that.
1: <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? What is he doing? He just snapped his neck in half.
0: <laughs> He's the rubber band man.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, but, I mean, really, I think the animation was just terribly clunky the whole hmm. time. Even even beyond, I mean, getting away from that exorcist shit. Yeah. Um, but another thing I found, I thought was kind of odd about this episode is, you know, they show Virgil, you know, dressing up like a normal human being, uh, putting his costume on instead of Sailor Mooning it up.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's like, where's the consistency? But then, never mind, he grabs the fuse box and he goes into, you know, moon prism power mode.
0: Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like,
1: I, I don't understand. Where's, where's the consistency here? It's, right. it's. It's, they show in these all these episodes that we have, uh, reviewed last time, he uses he transforms into his costume with the static power, and now they're showing that he twirls around like a sailor scout when he just grabs grabs these fuse box to power himself back up. I, I don't understand it at all. I think it's still
0: just stupid. And, and speaking of that, of of powering himself up, I didn't know he could run dry. I, I, have we seen that in the previous five episodes, that his power could that, – that it had a limit?
1: Well, let me think. I'm trying to think. Not in the previous five. I think we have – they they tackle this thing, this issue here several times in the episodes we're viewing today. Right. But not, I don't think he did. He ran dry in the, the uh,
0: first five. Yeah, I, I didn't think so because he does it here, and then Richie gives him those, like, grenade things – because he's like, oh, if you ever run dry, you know, here you go. You could use these while you are, you know, conserving your energy. And, you know, then, and then we actually yeah, see him get wet and basically short out. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's all coming later. But I'm like, oh, that's, that's new. I don't remember them showing that before. But I like it at the same time. Uh-huh. Because I, I like the idea of, it's like, look, this power is coming from within him. And just like you can only run, even if you're a marathon runner. And you know you you can only do that for so long. Your body only has so much energy. So if you're expelling this super electricity or electricity or whatever, eventually you're gonna run out. You're gonna tire tire yourself. So I like the idea that he just kind of has to go like, "Oh shit, <laughs> I'm powerless," and he has to kind of run away for a little while, because um, yeah. it makes him vulnerable. You know, not everybody has like a kryptonite, but I like the idea of your body being your kryptonite.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, and I think another example later on is when he uses cert- his powers in certain ways. Uh. It it drains it. Like when he attack he attacks Ebon later on with some kind of weird attack, and it almost completely drains him. But you know, it's like a super powerful attack. So
0: yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves with that. But Stanek is like a total dumbass. Like, he does that to Ebon, and then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, that might have drained me of my powers, but it was worth it. It's like, don't tell him that move drains you. You don't do that. (laughs) Yes, my greatest foe, I'm now completely human, and I can't shock you anymore. (laughs) Oh, really? Hey, guy with the crazy, you know, limbs that can turn into swords, cut his fucking head off. I mean, come on. (laughs) What's Stanek going to do, throw cheeseburgers at him at that point? You never tell your villain you're out of power. (laughs) Oh, uh, what else did I want to say about this one? Um, this was one of those episodes that, you know, again, I'm not going to claim this is a great episode. I'm just going to claim it's a better-than-average, you know, sort of good episode. But it's one of the ones, I just found myself watching it. I About midway through, a little beyond midway through. It's like when the action was really starting to pick up. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of watching this one. And I'm not really, re- you know, taking notes for discussion. And to me, that's always a good sign.
1: I was taking out of a lot of the second half of the episode because I think that Alva machine thing was about the stupidest-looking
0: thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. It was kind of dumb-looking.
1: Yeah, if you haven't seen this episode, basically it's just this giant cylindrical thing with a couple of tentacle arms. One one tentacle arm has nothing on the end of it. One Another tentacle arm has these three maces on it that yeah. flail around, and they're literally, like, two inches long each. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's just so fucking dumb-looking. I, really, I don't think I have anything else to say about this episode. I've said my piece. I, 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 I have, I've actually raised my grade, but by and large, I still stand by my feelings on this episode.
0: Okay, okay, that's fair. I do have one more thing to say about this one, and it's this right here. There was a scene, I think kind of early on. In fact, it had to be early on because it's the first note I wrote. Uh, Pops kisses Virgil on the cheek, and if I remember correctly... Virgil doesn't do the, ah, dad type thing. I I, I don't think he did that. And I like that. Um, I like the fact that they showed a father being affectionate with his son, not just shaking his hand and saying, good job, son, or giving him kind of the hug with the pat on the back. You know, that they showed, yes, a father can kiss his son. I don't know. I just think it was a good message to put out there for kids, because I'm tired of seeing that in cartoons where a kid gets kissed By a parent, even you know, especially his father, and he's just like, "Oh, (laughs) what what are you doing?" And it's like, "Come on, you know, I'm 31 years old. My dad still kisses me on the cheek." Granted, not every father son relationship is that way you know and some people might go dad what are you doing come on but i just get tired of seeing it in a kid's cartoon and the reason i like it here is because it's showing that virgil and his dad have this really strong relationship i mean their mom's gone and pops is doing everything he can to be the breadwinner but still show affection towards his son and i don't know i just like that dynamic between the two I, in fact i love the the just overall the entire dynamic between father and son on this show We'll talk later, when the kid's not around. Who is he, anyway? Your brother? Step brother.
1: Hey, where'd you get that? I was hungry. I asked where you got it. No food places around here. You didn't take it out of the trash. You, you made that. You were in the Big Bang, weren't you? And now, if you want something bad enough, it just happens. Like that hot dog or the monster back at the community center. Aaron, please don't say anything. Please. I don't want to get in trouble. Why would I want to get you in trouble, Dwayne? You're my brother.
0: Okay, next up is Child's Play. In this one, there is a young boy named Dwayne. He appears to be voiced by, um, the same guy who did the voice of Bucky, but we'll overlook that. Um, Was I right about that? Was that Bucky? I actually don't know off the top of my head. I'll, I will look that up though. Yeah, it sounded like Bucky to me. Well, he, uh, he seems to be kind of like an outcast amongst, amongst the other kids. Uh, they all kind of, you know, they make fun out of him because he's, you know, an outcast. That's what happens. But anyways, um, while you know, while uh, he's sitting there watching them play basketball, the kids are all like, uh, you know, they're like, "Hey, who's better?" You know, what, what do they say, Shaq or Wilt Chamberlain? And they're going on. And Dwayne, the little one, he's like, "Yeah, you know, you know who could beat all those guys in basketball?" Like, I don't know. And he rattles off some like video game character, like a robot. And they're like, "Dude, that that guy doesn't exist. Go away. You're a freak." So he starts moping away, and all of a sudden. That video game character, this giant hulking robot, just bursts in, picks up the basketball, and he starts playing basketball. Of course, this scares everybody away. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Virgil's there, if I remember correctly, right?
1: Yeah, he's around.
0: Yeah, because this is all happening at the um, the youth center that uh, Virgil's dad uh, uh, runs. Virgil sees this going on. I think he might even fight the robot as static. I'm pretty sure he does. And uh, what he notices is that he's not really affecting it with his charges, and he's like, this is kind of weird. And, uh, at some point, uh, Dwayne ends up leaving the scene, and what's left where the robot stood was just like a stray dog. And, and Virgil, our static, is like, this is weird. Um, at some point, it might even be before Dwayne leaves, uh, we, we find out that there's this other kid who's come back to school. This might even be real early in the episode. I tell so sorry if I'm getting this uh the timeline kind of jumbled up here. Uh we see this uh this older boy named Aaron, and we find out that Aaron is Dwayne's stepbrother. Don't call us brothers, we're stepbrothers. He, he, he's a bit of a douche, okay? Um well, anyways, uh <laughs> yeah, so Aaron at some point he figures out that his stepbrother uh <laughs> that that he's a bang baby. And uh He instantly, like that, figures out what this kid's power is. And he, you know, then uses it to his advantage. He's trying to get his brother to, like, make $100 bills out of nothing. Because what Dwayne can do is he can take something that's already there, such as the dog, and make it look like the giant robot, or a a stray nut and make it look like a $100 bill. But the problem is Dwayne's never seen a $100 bill, not a real one. He's only seen, like, Monopoly money. So when he makes one, it looks like Monopoly money. So Aaron gets all pissed off, and uh, he gets it in his head that uh, they should start, like, robbing banks and the mall and all these other places. And he's tricking his brother into doing this by saying, oh, those people at the bank, they stole from me, and they stole from mom, and they stole from, you know, everybody in town. So they're bad guys. So Dwayne, you know, wanting to appease his older stepbrother um sorry i'll stop doing that i swear um (laughs) you know is is going along with this even though he knows it's not quite right of course static keeps getting involved and aaron starts to try to convince his brother that static is 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 you know he's trying to stop us from from writing these wrongs so he's against us so we got to stop him too um so they have a couple of run-ins and at at one point uh static and richie you know They're like, okay, Aaron's using this kid, and there's no way we're going to be able to stop him unless we do something kind of shady. And Virgil even says he feels bad about doing this. But what they do is they trick Aaron into saying some not-so-nice things about his younger brother, and they get it on tape. And then when the final showdown happens at the mall... They play the tape over the loudspeaker um, for the two brothers to hear. And Dwayne, at first, he doesn't want to believe it. He doesn't want to believe that Aaron really said these things about him. Uh, but eventually, he does, and so Static and Dwayne are able to take Aaron down. And um, I think Aaron goes to jail, and Dwayne just kind of walks free, if I remember correctly. Did I miss anything, or does that one or does that do it for this one? That's pretty much it. Okay. Did you look it up? Is Dwayne uh, Bucky? Yep. I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. Indeed it was. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's a good voice actor, whoever it is. I mean, I just didn't like the way he was playing Bucky to start. Cause I remember he toned it down at the end and he kind of grew, you know, the character kind of grew with us. And, and here as Dwayne, you know, y- you feel bad for the character. He kind of plays, Absolutely. he kind of plays the downtrodden little brother who, who just wants to appease everybody in his life, especially his older stepbrother.
1: Um, I liked a lot of things about this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the number one thing I liked about the episode is what they did with Virgil's dad here. Uh, this kind of – I mean, like you were saying at the end of our last review there, they're really building up uh, Robert. And the episode is, of course, about – Wait, he has a name? From... I
0: thought he was just Pops.
1: Oh, yeah. He actually this... has a name, Mike. Oh. Robert Hawkins. Oh, okay. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was – he came out of the womb, and they called him Pops. That's
0: what I thought, you know? <laughs> Damn. Sorry to burst your bubble there, Mike. Uh, um,
1: anyway, um, but, yeah, uh, anyway, the, yeah, the episode is wait about Wait a minute,
0: wait a minute, wait a minute. I am going to stop you right there, okay? Hmm. I am sorry. Go to wikipedia.org, wiki, you know, slash wiki slash specs and trapper with underscores between specs and trapper. They have their own fucking wiki page, but the episodes don't? Oh, I call balls on this. Wait, wait,
1: I, I, I've got to see this. I'm going
0: to send you the link right now, okay? Oh, I, no, way. I've got it here. You've got it. How do they like? They're nothing villains. Do they come back? I,
1: I don't think so. What the that, hell? I, hmm, I didn't know that Patton Oswalt did uh, Specs' voice. I knew Michael Rosenbaum did Trapper, but hmm, that's weird. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, that's stupid as the fuck.
0: Wow. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Wikipedia pisses me off sometimes. I think Wikipedia is a great resource, but I just don't like the, the overbearing editors. And it's like, who decides that these guys, these nothing villains get a page, but Emmy award-winning episodes don't? Come on. Anyways, you know, we've had the wiki rant, a, 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 you know, plenty of times. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt what you were saying there. It's just something I noticed right then and there, and I just had to blurt it out.
1: I'm sorry. I don't blame you at all.
0: So but what anyway,
1: are you saying, sir? <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me collect my thoughts here. Oh yeah. Um, yeah anyway, the episode is about this kid, Dwayne. You know, we feel sorry for him, of course, but you know, the underlying story is about how Robert questions how effective he really is in helping these troubled kids at the community center. And and I loved the very end of the episode where Static flies off and he says, you know, he's going to tell uh, his Pops that he's a better influence than he thought uh, mm-hmm. than he thought. And I thought that was a great way to end the episode. Yeah, uh, they they really are, as you said, building uh, Robert Hawkins up into a great uh, secondary character. Although I mean, I don't even ne- necessarily think of him as a
0: secondary character. He's very prominent in these episodes. He is, um, and there's of course another one. Um, I think it's is it the last one we're going to talk about today? Yeah, where he plays a big role. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's. But we'll, we'll we'll get to that when when we get there. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and.
0: And you know, going
1: more to the ending, you know, at first I I didn't think I was I was really keen on the the, end, the way the ending the ending before Static flies off, you know, where they he just sticks Aaron to the wall with the mm-hmm. static electricity. But when I thought about it, you know, I was like, while watching, I was figuring, you know, yeah, we all know what's going to happen here. The kid will find out his stepbrother is a complete tool, and he'll turn the hallucinations on him. But instead. He does the exact opposite. He does nothing. And he says, you know, I don't know what I should do, so I'm going to wait. And I like that. I really do, because it's not, it is not something you're going to expect at all. Yeah. Um, and I think it fits his his character, because he's so introverted. And that just seems like something that kid would do. Yeah. So I was really digging that on, sec-
0: on my second viewing of the episode. Well, what I liked about it was, you know, there's not much static can do to Aaron. I yeah. mean, Aaron's not the one with superpowers. So he really can't beat him up. So all he can do is like, BOOM! And, and do the static cling thing to the wall. And, and leave him for the cops. You know? So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. You know? Where he's like, look, this, this is all I can do, but dude, oh, I still want to kick the shit out of you. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't, I, I really don't have many complaints about the episode, except I think that, again, the animation was pretty clunky, but. That's really all I can say about it. I just, overall, the episode, I think the animation wasn't all that great. But, I mean, like we we spoke of previously, this is the first time we see Static get doused with water. And it, it you know, it doesn't seem like it just nullifies his powers, but it also weakens him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just wonder, what is... How does he shower or bathe, you
0: know? Thank you. I was thinking about that because, you know, in another, you know, in an episode down the line, I think it's Winds of Change, he gets really wet and he causes that, he has that huge burst. That's that, it's like, it's like a quarter mile, just static bubble that forms around him, you know? And that Mm -hmm. really got me thinking exactly what you just said. How the hell does he take a shower? You know, how does he do anything? You know, I mean, it sounds silly, but how does he swim for, for gym class? You know how does he what happens if he sweats too much? What happens if he pees on his foot? I mean what happens? you know <laughs> can he drink anything when you when you when you bring this up it raises too many questions but uh my biggest gripe with this one though is um and i and I brought this up during the the synopsis of it was Aaron and static, but specifically Aaron, makes a huge leap in logic when he figures out what his brother's powers or power is. I mean, he, like he sees something happen once, and all these, all of a sudden, he's like, "Oh my God! You can create anything out of your imagination. You can warp reality." Da 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 da. And he's just like totally just like info dumps all. You know, he just—it's just all exposition. And it's like, yeah, we kind of figured it out. We're not dumb. We don't need you to tell us. You know. But the fact that he figured it out just like that—that that really hurt this episode for me. I mean, to the point where it was one of those things where it's like, I think it would take a point off for that. Because uh-huh. it, just, it just, he figures it out way too easily. It's not like, you know, he sees his brother shooting fire out of his hands and he's like, oh, I, I understand what your power is. It's like, this is kind of an out there power, being able to warp reality like that and you just figure it out by seeing him do it once? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I uh, don't disagree with you. Yeah. Um, now I have to bring something up, though, okay? Early on in the episode, uh, uh, what was his name? Dwayne? Yeah. Mm hmm was was watching those kids play basketball and the first guy uh, starts talking about how, you know, Wilt Chamberlain was great cuz he scored 100 points in a game, blah, blah 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 blah. And the kid starts boasting about how his granddad told him this. And then he says, even grandma knew about him too. Wilt Chamberlain famously claims he slept with over 20,000 women and then they drop this line about even grandma knew who Wilt Chamberlain was. And I'm like, <laughs> is that what they were getting at? I'm, I'm really thinking Grandma. Wink, wink. <laughs> Anyways, what else do you want to say about this one?
1: I don't really have anything else to say. I, I, I think overall I really, really dug this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do have one more thing to say about this one. I thought I was done. But another thing that kind of bothered me about this one was what could and could not affect the creatures that were created. Like... They could be hit with objects, but static's power wouldn't affect them or it would go right through them. And it's like, why isn't there any consistency? Either these things are intangible or they're not. And you can't tell me that the boy was making them intangible for that split second so the power wouldn't affect them or it would go through them, but he wasn't doing that when they were getting hit with girders and having shit dropped on them. You know, if, if the, if these creatures are tangible enough to grab the door on a bank vault and rip it off then they're tangible enough to hurt or at least hit with with static's power so i I, that kind of bothered me a lot if you want the truth
1: well i mean they pretty much wrote themselves into a corner with it because if you make it just intangible then it can't bust the bank vault open but if you make it tangible then it should be able to be affected by the powers either way they're screwed
0: my dad sometimes you know i'm so embarrassed will you stop my pops hates hip-hop too it's not a black white thing it's an old thing as far as i'm concerned this whole thing is squashed time to get minty fresh down the hall right yeah and now i see why richie acts like a hood maggie that kid's a bad influence all his kind are keep your voice down it's bad enough i gotta deal with them all day long now one of them's in my house
1: Next up is Sons of the Fathers, and before I even summarize this episode, I think it's safe to say that if you've never seen Static Shock, or only a scant few episodes of it, this is probably one of the episodes you know about, anyway.
0: So... I want to say, before you say anything else, I believe this is the first episode of Static I ever saw. Or, at the very least, it was the first one I remember seeing. I know it's
1: not the first one I saw, but it's definitely the, the one... I remembered above and beyond any of the non, you know, Batman, Green Lantern crossover things. Yeah. So, anyway, um, the breed start attacking a mall, and you know, after all is said and done, Static's able to apprehend Talon, the uh, bird girl, and get her arrested. So, at his house, Virgil and Richie are just hanging out later, and uh, Virgil notices Richie acting kind of strange. He uh, he calls Robert Pops and acts as if Virgil's sister is his sister too. And she actually, Sharon actually complains about Richie spending so much time at their place. And later, Virgil is just laying there, and he asks Richie why they never go to his house to hang out. And Richie just kind of fumbles around, and he doesn't even know what to say, because you know, Virgil's right. They've never hung out at his, at his house before. So Richie reluctantly invites him over on a Friday night, and there's a reason he picks this specific night because he thinks his father is working the night shift at his job, and he won't be at the house. Unfortunately, however, the shift was canceled, and he comes home, sees Virgil, and is immediately appalled. The dude is an unapologetic, 100% racist. He refuses to look Virgil in the eyes, he demeans him in front of Richie, and he makes outright racist remarks about his
0: kind. I want to jump in there real quick. For anybody who hasn't seen this episode, that's actually dialogue from there. So don't think James was just referring to African-Americans as his kind. No, that's something Richie's dad says. So no hate mail. No hate mail.
1: (laughs) Yes, please. I'm I'm not a racist at all. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, Virgil at first thinks it's just an old young divide and not a black and white thing. But later he overhears the dude yelling about, you know, a black kid being in his house to Richie's mom. And, you know, he leaves, he, you know, he can't, he doesn't want to be there to, to, he doesn't have to listen to this shit, so. Richie, in turn, just goes off on his dad, screaming at him, saying he hates him, and flat out calls him a stupid racist. And the next day, Virgil's dad asks him if he's alright, because, you know, when, apparently when, this isn't seen on screen, but Virgil, when he got home, had a really long chat with uh, Robert, and, uh, you know, about what happened, and. The next day, Robert speaks very highly of Richie, saying that, you know, he's a great kid, and he made up his mind not to be like his father, and that he needs Virgil's friendship now more than ever. At this point, Richie's mom calls Virgil, asking if he knows where Richie is, because he's apparently run away from home. And unbeknownst to any of them, Richie is wandering the streets and gets accosted by uh, Carmen Dillo, I think was his name, and some freak mutant buddy of his, but he manages to get away. And Richie's dad has to go ask for robert's help but you know his his attitude won't let him hear the you know the sound advice that robert's giving him but you know he eventually reluctantly agrees to go with robert to check out some places where richie might have gone and static ends up getting in contact with richie over the shock box thing but ebon overhears them when they meet up and he kidnaps richie when static goes off to save some people from a fire now meanwhile uh, richie's dad and robert check out some uh, what was it? It was just some kind of shady place where runaways gather. I not know. I had
0: I had the feeling that it was like a crack house.
1: It might be, but you know, no one's seen Richie there. And one of the guys there fools the, uh, the two dads into going to Ebon's hideout after Richie's dad insults him. And uh, it, Richie actually secretly turns on his shock box while he's in this place in Ebon's hideout, so that Static can overhear him talking to Ebon, and he reveals where he's being held captive. It's very clever, actually. And the dads end up at Ebon's place, and they try to rescue Richie, but, you know, the breed are far too strong for them. But, you know, luckily Static shows up, and they end up beating them and rescuing Richie, and Richie's dad, you know, apologizes to him. And, you know, the next day, he takes Richie and Virgil to a comic book convention, and that's where it ends.
0: And it's revealed the Dad is a homophobe. I mean, right at the end, they reveal that the Dad's a homophobe, too, because they start talking about... You know, I, seeing everybody in costume, including some of the guys, and then Richie's all like, let's surprise him with that one when we get there. It's like, okay, so not only is it racist, he hates gays. Does it really <laughs> shock you? <laughs> no, it doesn't, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I guess they got to work on him slowly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Get, get rid of one bigotry before you go on to another.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So now he just needs to be saved by a gay black guy. And then he won't mind gay people either. (laughs) Static should just start walking around and being like, oh, Richie. Sorry. Okay.
1: Oh, uh, no. Anyway,
0: yeah, we're getting way away from the the actual tone of this episode. Uh, Anyways, yeah. No, I mean, we're joking around with this one. But it should be said that this is a very powerful, very frank episode. I would venture to guess that this is probably the best episode of static. And you know what? I hope static produces more episodes as powerful as this or more powerful, but you know, as it stands right now, this is it. This is it. This is the best. And, uh, wow. I mean, this episode pretty much from start to finish. I'm not crazy about the ending. I think the ending is a little too convenient. Um, it's wrapped up in a nice little bow. You know, like, hey, I like your back black friend now. Yay, let's go to a comic convention. You know, it's like, okay, I mean, I understand that they, that they had to end it. They only had 20 some odd minutes to tell this story, but everything else up to that was just so strong. And then all of a sudden it's like, I like black people now. It's just a little too easy. I would have liked something a little different. Um, You know, I mean, they could really just could have ended with Richie's dad walking up to to Virgil uh, and and be and just shaking his hand and being like, "I'm sorry." But besides that, near perfect episode, I think. What about you?
1: I pretty much agree with everything you said there. This this is this episode, I think, is the best example of how awesome this show can be. Mm -hmm. Is it tackles you know really very real problems in society and it doesn't sugarcoat it. In this episode the words racism and racist are uttered several times. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't sugarcoat it at all. Um but you know I I hear what you're saying about the convenience of the ending of the episode but if you if you remember the 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 end of the episode actually accomplishes something else because if you you know getting away from the big theme of the episode Robert has a look on his face at the end of the episode that makes you wonder if he's figured out who static really is. Really?
0: What, how so? Remember when St-
1: uh, Static is there? and He says, "Kind of brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it?" Or whatever he says. Oh yeah. Robert's like, "Do your f- parents know where you are, young man?" And then Static's like, "Oh, is that a scream I hear? Gotta go." Mm-hmm. And then Robert just kind of looks at him like,
0: "Hmm." Hmm. Uh, yeah, because uh, see, I, I I don't 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 confirm or deny what I'm about to say. Okay, but. I've always had it in the back of my head that Static's dad and maybe even his sister did know that he was Static, that they were in on this secret. So I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. But again, don't confirm or deny that if you know. Okay? I don't don't know for certain. So. Okay. But if it does happen, you know, maybe this is the point where it starts to build from. I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. It, It is one of those things where it's like, hmm, maybe he does know. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: even, you know, even though the episode was kind of abruptly ended there, at least, at least the ending accomplished possibly something there.
0: Yeah. This is one of those episodes, though, where I almost wish they hadn't used Ebon and his gang. This was sort of, sort of like jabbing out the Joker to me because it's, you really could have used any villain in this role. Any any strong, you know, create a new villain. Just make sure he's strong. We never even have to see the guy again because Ivan and his gang take such a back seat to the story. They're just there to capture Ricky, and that's it. You know, and it could have been anybody. And I, I I just wish they had used someone else because it's there's just no no need for them to be there. And I don't want to see say they come off looking weak. But they don't come off as looking as strong as they did the last time we saw them either.
1: Mm-hmm. At least I don't think so.
0: I mean, do you disagree with that?
1: No, I don't. I mean, yeah. they really. I think they probably should have just thrown Hot Streak in here. That yeah, is his, that is his code name, right? Uh, I don't F Stop, yeah. whatever the fuck his name is this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably who they should have thrown in there. He was. They know you know people who've seen the first what seven episodes know mm. who he is. So use him don't job yeah. out his arch nemesis
0: right exactly i mean it's it's like just for a story this strong you use you use a different villain you don't use the main villain that i mean that's just that's just my opinion because they they just become background noise i almost forgot this was an Ebon episode you know it's yeah i mean you you were you were synopsizing it and then you bring him back up and i was like oh shit yeah he was the <laughs> villain in this one i forgot because you know i'm i'm I, I'm so thinking of the main story and not who the villain is. You know, I don't want them to go with, what'd you say his name was? Carmadillo or whatever? I don't want Karmadillo, them to go with, yeah. yeah, I don't want them to go with that guy, but yeah, Hot Streak or F-Stop or whatever his name is would have been perfect. You know, he's, he's sort of like an upper mid-carter if we're going to continue to use wrestling terms, you know? Yeah. But anyways, anyways, you know, beyond that, um, I don't know. It, this is one of those episodes where, it's so good, I'm at a loss for words. Same here. I, I, I don't want to shortchange it, but I, I'm afraid that's what I'm going to do. I mean, it's like all I can say about this one is if you've never seen this episode of Static Shock, if you've never seen Sons of the Fathers, you have to find a way to see this. I mean, I'm sure it's on YouTube you know, I'm sure you could find it online. I'm sure you could find people that have tapes of it, or I'm sure it's being rerun somewhere. But sit down and just find this one and just watch it. Just, just, just enjoy it for what it is and it is social commentary. You know, that done right, best of all. You know, all too often we get social commentaries that are Captain Planet. <clears throat> But, <laughs> but then you get other ones like this where you're like, good god damn, how did they get away with this? You know, but then as, as you're finishing that thought, you're like, thank you for getting away with this. For not pulling any punches, as you said, you know, racism is said, racist is said. I want to keep talking about this one, but for me, that, that's really pretty much all I have left to say is just find this and watch this. I'm sorry, what were you going to say?
1: I don't think you can shortchange this episode because you know, this whole episode is, it's a social commentary about racism, and you just sit there and you watch it. You just get engrossed by it. There, There's no notes you need to take about this episode, mm-hmm. truthfully. there We could have not taken a single note for this episode, and we can just tell our listeners what it's about if they haven't seen it. Yeah. And that's all that needs to be said.
0: Yeah, I mean, I took three notes on this one, and there weren't even notes I really needed to take. It's just like I felt like I needed to write something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because... because, One, it's about the ending. Yeah, because, you know, this is one that you can sit and watch and enjoy because it's a good episode. It's one you can sit and watch and enjoy because it's a powerful episode. And it's one you can sit and watch and enjoy because it's both of those together. Very much like Mad Love. Hey, if it weren't for those inner tubes, I would have been squashed thanks to your screw-up my screw-up slipstream had you on the ropes man i saw an opening and i took it your opening nearly killed me oh maybe you would have preferred to have daisy there instead at least daisy doesn't bombard me with a bunch of dumb schedules and training and look what i build every day well what are you saying what am i saying i'm saying chill out back off and quit bugging me oh oh
1: okay well in that case i am out of the bug business forever
0: Okay, next up is Winds of Change. In this one, Virgil and Richie, they're starting to get on each other's nerves because Richie is always wanting Virgil to practice his static moves. He wants to make sure that static always has a new catchphrase that he doesn't become stale in the media. Well, Virgil, he's like, dude, look, I like being static, but I got a personal life too. And he's saying this because Virgil, he's starting to get this crush on Daisy Um, you know, and it's, and it's clear that she kind of likes him too. So, you know, there's this budding relationship there and Richie's kind of becoming this annoying third wheel. Um, so as those two start to butt heads, uh, what's going on in town is that this fat guy, this, this bully, uh, he's developed these wind powers and he's using them. He's using them to rob hot dog stands and restaurants, and even a water park, but he's only messing with the water park, because of course it has a concession stand, Uh, as that's happening, uh, Virgil and Richie, their relationship is just completely deteriorating, you know, at this point, they're just done with each other, they are through, and Daisy, she's getting pissed, because she's like, look, I like both of you, you're both my friends, but I liked you better together when you weren't acting like complete douchebags okay she doesn't say douchebags but you, you, you get the point so that starts to make them think about what what's going on and the way they've been acting uh again is that's happening uh this guy who's not fat albert in tights uh it's so bad i mean he's even doing the hey 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 thing and let me say you know i like fat albert but this is just an annoying ripoff. off it's, it's bad. It's, it's so bad. But anyways, um, as he's doing his thing, uh, Virgil, as static, goes to stop him. Um, he ends up falling into a pond, uh, loses uh, use of his powers because of it. Richie somehow gets mixed up in it. He, he sees what's going on or something. So he brings these uh, grenade-like power cells that uh, he invented earlier. We saw them earlier in the episode. And uh, as he's trying to bring them to, to Static at the park, uh, Slipstream is the, is the baddie's name. Uh, he sees uh, Richie running, and uh, you know, he lifts him up with the wind or whatever, and all but two of these, uh, I think they're called Zap Caps, uh, are destroyed. Uh, he gives these last two to, to Static when he finally gets to him. And uh, Richie's like, well, what are you going to do with these? Uh, you know, he's like, because of his wind powers, I don't think you're going to be able to throw these at Slipstream. And Static's like, no, 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 I'm not going to throw them at him. Uh, instead, he sets them off in his hands. And uh, this allows him to recharge himself. And then he just takes, like, everything in the park and just, like, throws it at Slipstream, knocks him out. Uh, he's laying there in and in a, just buried under all this crap. Um and then at the end of the day, the boys reconcile, and that's it. Oh my god! I think my synopsis tells you how enthralled I was by this episode. James, I have like I it? have like
1: seven notes, maybe six notes for this episode, not a single one of them is positive.
0: I've got two, and and I've, and I've already said one of them. I said "Fat Albert," and the second one, "Lame." That's all. I'm done, James. The floor is yours.
1: Okay, seriously, seriously. Daisy is supposed to be a very bright young lady. She's in a comic book store with Virgil. A news report shows a helicopter going down. Virgil, a 14-year-old black kid with frilly dreadlocks, disappears. Outside, a helicopter is plummeting to the ground, and a young black kid with frilly dreadlocks appears, shooting lightning everywhere, and Daisy doesn't put two and two together. <laughs> uh-huh. Seriously? <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> I don't... And... <laughs> I, and speaking of that helicopter, I mean, yeah, because when there's a guy who's terrorizing my city with tornado-like power, the first thing I want to do is get into a fucking helicopter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Oh, here's something I, fa- I thought that was pretty funny, though, and this is uh, this is something that only South Park fans will get. Was I the only one who thought of Eric Cartman when Slipstream said, I'd do what I want? <laughs>
0: Apparently, well, between us, you were, but now I see it. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do not. Wow. (laughs) Um, here's another question I have: Was Rubber Band Man in this episode? Oh, why do you say?
0: Because his name was in the credits. Again, a fuck up with the credits on this show. They have
1: fucked up at least three credits.
0: Oh, three? Okay, there was the one where they listed what they listed static twice, right? Yeah, and now Rubberband Man and these. What's the third one?
1: I'm pretty sure there was a third one that I just forgot to write down. Like, okay, I'm, I'm like 99% sure of this. Hmm. I just I would I would have to go back and look at all the episodes though, and I'm really too lazy to do that. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't really know what else to say about this thing. It was just <laughs> like I said, all my notes were just like utter sarcastic, hey, did you (laughs) notice this? How dumb is this person? And how fucking stupid was this plot device?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I I said I don't have a lot of notes about this one. That's completely true. But come on. The fat supervillain who's uh, only a supervillain so he can steal food? Really? Uh, And this is the episode you want to air after Sons of the Fathers? Like, this is how you want – you want to follow that epic up with, hey, 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 it's Slipstream, and where's my food? Like, come on. (laughs) Oh, I got to –
1: you know, I'm glad you said that because that makes me think about this even more seriously. It's – you're following up Sons of the Fathers, an episode in which Virgil's and Richie's friendship was really tested in a a very trying way. And then you're following it up with this, where they're just bitching about a
0: girl in some comic books. Man, it comes down to pussy. I'm not trying to be vulgar here. I'm actually being serious. But, you know, because I had the exact same thought you did. I mean, in the episode before this one, Virgil's all like, look, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at your dad. And even says, you know, nothing will ever come between us. And then the next time we see them, they're fighting because Virgil has this thing for Daisy and richie 's annoyed because he 's being pushed aside because he 's feeling like the third wheel and he is becoming that third wheel you know, and he doesn 't like the fact that virgil 's attention is diverted, you know so yeah, at first it bothered me, but you know I went through that shit in high school, we all went through that shit in high school, and you know we lose friends over it either temporarily or long term, so yeah, this definitely shouldn 't have followed you know Sons of the Fathers. this should have been an episode we were talking about in the next episode of WFP or maybe the one even beyond that, you know that was a little poor planning on on their part. But still, it doesn't make the reality of it any less true. So, I, yeah, I, I'm gonna defend this, you know, because really, women in their parts they do weird things to us guys that they do. Oh, women and your lovely, oh, lovely parts. <laughs> you sure you're okay, Sharon? Stand- Looks like you did it again. Wouldn't have needed to if it hadn't been for him. What's he talking about? I have no idea. This fire was your fault and you know it. What? He was warned about the fireworks and he went ahead with them anyway. Now's not the time for this. Come on, Sharon. You're not going anywhere. Look. Stringer? Try rubber
1: band man. And lastly up today is Bent Out of Shape. Uh, Virgil, Daisy, Richie, and Sharon go to a concert for some uh, some guy called Stringer. Um, But the show sells out, and Sharon, however, reveals that she is dating Stringer, and she gets them backstage. And before Stringer goes on stage, his his stage manager warns him that the pyrotechnics are far too dangerous to use on a stage this small. They've never, ever been in a place this small and used pyrotechnics. It's just not safe at all but Stringer refuses to remove him from the show because he's like, you know, my fans deserve everything, and blah, 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 blah. Sure enough, as is destined to occur, every time a guy says nothing's going to happen, <laughs> something happens. Fire breaks out. Virgil has to secretly change the static to blast a hole in the wall to place so to get people out. And he then confronts uh, Stringer after the show because uh, he's about to take Sharon on a date. And, you know, this is Virgil. He's, he doesn't want his sister going out with somebody so reckless. And... When he grabs the dude by the arm, it stretches out, revealing him to be Rubber Band Man. Uh, He escapes into a sewer, but he promises that the next time they meet, he's going to expose Static's secret identity, like he did uh, to Rubber Band Man just now. And next, we see a couple of Bang Babies we haven't previously uh, been introduced to, named Puff and Onyx. Uh, They're just kind of mulling over their troubles and uh, basically eating out of dumpsters and Puff sees this uh, newspaper showing a reward for the capture of Rubber Band Man, and she shows off her, some of her power by dissolving the, the paper with some kind of corrosive vapor. And meanwhile, tabloids and trash talk shows have been calling the Hawkins household nonstop, trying to get Sharon for interviews, and Virgil starts just mouthing off to Sharon, and she just she breaks down and cries and runs to her room, and, he feels bad, and and Robert is not at all happy with him. He's like, "I'll I'll talk to you later." <laughs> and uh, so later, Virgil goes out on pr- uh, patrol, but unbeknownst to him, Rubber Band Man has been tracking him the whole way. He's kind of disguised as a satellite dish, I think, on a building. And uh, but before he can get uh, Virgil's secret, uh, Puff and Onyx come along and start attacking Rubber Band Man, and Static, who's been thrown into a dumpster in the uh, during all this manages to find a makeshift mask because his normal one was ripped off by a uh, rubber band man inside the dumpster where he still couldn't see who he was, but he ripped the mask off from inside the pile. And he tries to stop Puff and Onyx, but Puff easily dispatches him, dissolves his little Mylar board thing. And uh, rubber band man goes to see Sharon, who pleads with him to do the uh, to do his time in jail and so he can get out eventually and act and have a normal life. And Sharon ends up calling her dad, who, unhappy as he is, uh, you know, he begrudgingly agrees to call a friend of his who's a cop to try and help in some way. And Virgil arrives home with Richie, and Sharon tries her best to keep Virgil from finding out the Rubber Band Man is there. But you know, he can't hide him for. Uh, she can't hide him forever, and he ends up showing himself. And uh, Sharon manages to keep the peace between everybody. And Puff, who had been listening outside, comes in disguised as a cop and tries to capture Rubber Band Man. But Virgil slams the door in her face because he recognizes who she is. But then Onyx breaks the wall of their house down and, wow, I really am a fan of Chris Jericho. <laughs> walls down? Jesus. nice. nice. <laughs> uh, anyway, a fight ensues between Rubber Band Man and uh, Puff and Onyx, uh, but Puff has, shows that she has, there's more to her powers uh, still. She uses a, she makes a knockout gas that causes Rubber Band Man to collapse, and Static flies in and starts blasting at Onyx and Rubber Band Man, and they fall into, underneath a bleacher section outside, and Puff jumps in, and, she, but she, like, causes her own, you know, defeat by collapsing the bleacher set on top of herself by dissolving all the support beams, and Rubber Man, Man manages to get out of the rubble, and he's about to fight Static, but Sharon runs up and, you know, just, just tells... doesn't say anything, but she's like... she has this look on her face just to say, stop, just remind... I'm trying to remind you of what you have to live for now, and Rubber Man Man actually chooses the high road. He and Static they 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 don't fight they dig the two would be bounty hunters out of the rubble and rubber batman turns himself in and that's
0: pretty much it yeah um you know with this one i don't think it's anywhere near as bad as uh winds of change mm-hmm. but my problem with this one and i i you know on some level i like this one i like the fact that it's a sharon centric episode for the most part I like the fact that we're we're getting into Static's family. You know, we've we've spent some time with his dad. Now let's spend some time with his sister, and we're you know we start to see her as more than just the annoying kind of catty sister who dumps laundry on Virgil's head and you know bugs him when he's in the bathroom and all this and that. So that's great. They're doing some character development. Love it. But my problem with this is this is the kind of typical superhero story that I am just so tired of. You know, I've been reading comics pretty much my entire life, but let's just say 25, 26 years at this point. And I've seen stories like this over and over and over again. And what it boils down to is the superhero's life collides with his personal life. You know, this to me, this is akin to Aunt May getting engaged to Doc Ock. Like, really? Like, of all the millions of people in New York City, Dr. Otto Octavius starts getting the hots for Aunt May... Like come, on, come on, you know what I mean? And that that's what's happening here. you know, Sharon just starts happening to date, rubber band man, and then Virgil's got to get involved with it. I just I just don't like that aspect of superhero storytelling when when the worlds collide like that. it's just it's too coincidental. I understand stories are fueled by coincidence, but it it gets to a point where something can be too coincidental. And that's to me what happened here. now, that said, I think they took it and they did a decent job with it. Um, I'm not crazy about the whole stuff that's going on with, with Onyx and, and what was, and, uh, Puff, you know, you know, I could have done without, uh, Grant, I could have done without most of this episode. I really wish it had just been more of, uh, Sharon and Rubberband Man and Virgil and Static and all this and that. This whole side story with the bounty hunters just kind of felt like filler to me. Um, yeah, it's, so it's weird. I love what they were doing with Sharon, getting into her head, getting into Static's family, but I'm just kind of tired of seeing that as a longtime comic book slash superhero fan. So I'm really torn on this one. Um, but what about you, James?
1: Well, I, on the other hand, who have not read nearly as many comic books as you, yeah. I didn't. I wasn't thinking about that, and mm-hmm. so I, that didn't affect me at all. Uh, I actually kind of dug this episode. Uh, I have, don't get me wrong, I have a, several problems with the episode, but I thought it was really good. I, you know, finally we have, you know, a questionable kind of teetering on the edge villain, huh. quote unquote, who, who makes the right decision. Yeah. Who doesn't just, who doesn't just say, fuck you, I'm gonna fight this guy because I'm a villain and I'm gonna fight him. You know, he, he made the right decision. And like you said, Sharon owned this episode. Every scene she was in was great and everything she said made a lot of sense. She she was harsh when she had to be towards Rubber Band Man, but everything she said was caring. She she was doing what she she said what she was saying because she genuinely cared for the guy. Right. So I loved the character development they gave to her in this episode. Now, that said, the opening to this episode was just beyond stupid why were they standing in what had to be an hour-plus long line if Sharon had access to a VIP pass the entire time? Yeah. But actually, Richie had a great line there. Do you feel as stupid as you look? And Virgil was just like, not possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was a great exchange there. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of nitpicky, I know. But, I mean, why did Stringer tell, you know, uh, Virgil and the gang to uh, find your seats when the show was just a general admission standing room only? Yeah. <laughs> Good I mean, point. Just, I'm, just just asking. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but the my biggest problem with this entire episode is and this is something we have said before in our in the long annals of, of WFP lore. Attempted murder carries only a few months sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? I, I don't really, that's all I have to say. Yeah. I I'm counting off the episode for that. It's oh. just that. That massively stupid. Oh,
0: definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, you were talking about nitpicks a second ago, and you know, I have to bring up one that that I noted. Okay, Pops goes into Sharon's room. He's like, Look, you know, you know, I understand you're sad, you know, if you need a shoulder to cry on. You know, he's trying to give her a little pep talk, you know, telling her that he's there for her. Then Rubberband Man slips into her room after her dad leaves. Then she, how does it play out? She gets on the phone and starts talking to her dad. Something happens where all of a sudden she's calling her dad at work, but I got the impression it was only like five minutes later. Yeah, so h- how did he leave and get to work so quick? And why is he going to work that oh. late at night anyways? Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, maybe a lot of time passed, but it really felt like it was just a couple of minutes. Yeah, it was.
1: That that conversation that she and Rubber Band Man have in her room was only like two minutes long.
0: Yeah, and then they're calling the dad at work. I understand they had to get him out of the house, but then the whole thing, their whole exchange, I don't know, should have happened over the phone. And they just kind of added a line like, I'm sorry I can't be there for you, you know. You know I, I I'm just, sorry I, I have to work late. I'm sorry, what were you going to
1: say? I'm sorry, I I just thought, I, I was thinking maybe there was a, a, a fade out, fade in. Between the conversation and her making the call, I really don't remember. I'm just, you know, proffering this out there.
0: Yeah, there Uh, might have been. What I'll do is when I'm, you know, getting the sound clips, uh, when I'm finalizing the episode, I'll look at it again and see how that scene played out. But I really get the feeling like it was just one thing to the next. I don't remember there being any sort of fade out.
1: Well, uh, one part of your your criticism there actually still stands because why would he be going to a community center at, like, God knows what time at night? Like right. Like, 10.30 at night.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, someone could claim, oh, he's doing some paperwork, but, nah, I don't quite buy it, you know? No. Um, and another thing that bothered me about this one, and they tried to justify it with some throwaway dialogue, was where the hell did those, quote-unquote, bounty hunters get that truck? I mean, he says, uh, Onyx says... Oh, I'm glad we were able to borrow this truck. But it's like, from where? From who? You know, all of a sudden they have this truck that allows them to spy on people? Like, what was that?
1: I was going to count off of that when I was making, finalizing my notes. But then I was like, yeah, they had that line of dialogue. And I can I could buy it because Onyx could pretty much knock down any wall he wants. And Puff can just fly around. and I think she can turn herself invisible, if I'm not mistaken. Because I'm not sure about that, but, yeah, she was flunking. I think later on in Static Shock, we, she can turn herself invisible. It would make sense because her powers are, you know, vapor-oriented. Yeah. So, but, yeah, it didn't bother me so much because I figured, yeah, you know, they're criminals, really. They can they stole it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where I would like I would have liked to have seen them steal it, you know. Because at first I thought it was like a news truck that they stole. And then I'm like, but if it's a news truck, how is it doing surveillance? That means they had to steal some sort of government vehicle. So where do they get this? And that's why it bugged me, because it kept sitting in the back of my head. You know, like, what kind of truck is it? Where did they get it? How is it doing what it's doing? There were too many unanswered questions about the goddamn truck. <laughs> You know, yep. I, I don't know. And when there when there's too many questions, it just I just start obsessing over it, and I can't stop. And I admit that's that's probably more my fault than the fault of the episode. But I still would have liked like that explained.
1: Mike, say uh, it with me.
0: Convenient for the plot.
1: Get out of town.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to our scores. <laughs> what are you gonna give the new kid?
1: Um, I'm gonna give it a four. I just really did not like the episode.
0: You know, this is one of those ones, I think I might bring it down right here. i had initially given it a six, but I think I am going to bring it down to a five. You said a four, right? Yes. Okay, Child's Play. Uh, I'll give that a seven. I give that a six. Sons of the Fathers.
1: Uh, this is one of those ones I'm torn on. I really, really want to give it a ten, but I'm just thinking about that ending. Was it too... You know, too abrupt, was it, or wasn't it? I'm, Fuck it. I'm going to give it a 10, because I think if there's any Static Shock episode that deserves it, it's this one.
0: Yeah, tentatively, I'm going to give this a 9, because, again, that ending, it was too much of a ribbon wrapped around the whole thing. Um, But I could see myself, when we do the Zeta Static Recap Show, bringing this up to a 10. By no means is it coming down to, like, an no. 8 or anything. <laughs> But I, I could see myself watching this again and going, you know what, I forgive the ending. Um, winds of Change.
1: Fuck, I'll give it a two, and I honestly don't even know why I'm giving it that.
0: Repeat everything you just said, but change the score to a three. I, I don't know. You know, no fuck it. I'm going to give it a two right here, right now. That's that's going down to a two, yeah. Uh, bent Out of Shape.
1: I'll give it a six, although I think maybe on a, a better day I might give it a seven. But that... I, no, fuck it. I'm gonna keep it at a six and forget I said anything.
0: <laughs> okay, that one's getting a four from me. If you want the truth,
1: huh.
0: um, because again, as much as I liked what they were doing with Sharon, I, ugh, the, the whole coincidence, personal lives, personal life butting heads with the superhero life thing—it's it, that's cliché for me, and I couldn't get beyond that. So that's why it's kind of getting a lower score for me. I don't believe this. You put a roof over their heads, you feed them three squares a day, and this is the thanks. Richie wasn't the only boy who ran away from you last night. What your son heard, Hawkins, I wasn't talking about him. No, you were talking about his kind, that's all. Well, I know your kind, Foley. I've seen your
1: kind all my life. A fine, upstanding bigot. His nose so close to the grindstone, he can't see anything else. Meanwhile, the world changes and grows, and he's blind to it. Ignorant and proud of that, too. And you know the worst part? I'm sure you'll tell me. You've got a terrific son. One of the best and brightest around. And
0: because of the way you are, you'll never really know him. Richie ran away from you a long time ago, Foley. And who can blame him? Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at world's That's feedback at world's Next time on world's finest podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes of static shock. Those being junior replay tantrum, the big leagues and power play for James Doe. I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to world's finest podcast.